How many know that song? Yes, this is church. <laughs> the Rolling Stones. <clears throat> Not even they could get satisfaction, right? <clears throat> um, I'm a little congested, so forgive me. I'm kind of fighting off a cold, but such an important thing that we search for. Satisfaction, right? I think it's what we're all after. It's the human condition, therefore. We want to be comfortable. We want to be in control of our own destiny. You know, we just we want to know that everything is satisfying. The problem is <clears throat> there's nothing that's satisfying. So we come to this, this question, and I've thought about this for a long time. Um, so Mike came to me and said, I want you to do uh, a sermon on satisfaction. I thought, very cool, we can speak to this. And I tend to speak to where we are right now. I tend to try to do my best to, to help us because whatever we're thinking, I want to tackle those, those thoughts. So why does satisfaction elude us? <clears throat> Would anybody here say they're satisfied? Problem with a question like that is you can't answer uh, for an indefinite period of time. You might say, I'm satisfied right now, but I don't know if I'll be satisfied later. It is Sunday, therefore. You know, there are those, you know, those Redskins fans. There are those Dolphins fans from two years ago when your team was constantly losing and we weren't satisfied. How are you feeling this year, Donald? Optimistic? Pretty good? Not quite satisfied just yet? No? Another 15 weeks, we'll know, right? There we go. But what does it elude us? Well, here's Webster's Dictionary, uh, <clears throat> their definition. To put to an end a desire, a want, a need, etc., by sufficient or ample provision. You have to hear that, to put to an end. The problem is what we're trying to satisfy is not the right thing. We're, we're trying to satisfy all the wrong things. We're losing grip with our spiritual condition. See, our physical condition, we can satisfy it through all these other things like people. I can satisfy a need to be lonely. I don't want to be lonely, so therefore I get married and think I'll be satisfied. Right? Incorrect. See? That's the, that's the problem with our thinking that we have. How about temporary things? I'll be satisfied when I get that uh, Rock'em Sock'em robot. Right. When I'm five. When I'm 25. Okay? Rock'em Sock'em robots are kind of cool, right? But in time, you lose the, the love of those toys and you want other toys, you know? I look forward to the Rock'em Sock'em Robot sticker on my iPad. That's, that's what I'm up there, you know what I mean? Um, and how about <clears throat> uh, finite sources, relationships, food, entertainment? They all satisfy, but only for a short time. For example, I was satisfied <clears throat> when I was watching Infinity War Part 1, all the way up until the credits when I realized what? <laughs> There's an Infinity War Part 2. Anybody know when it comes out? Just about a year from now comes out next May. Suddenly I'm not satisfied. I want to know what happens to Thanos. I mean, I know what happens to him, but I want to know how it happens to him, right? I want to know the, the details of the whole situation. So what I'm telling you is that when you talk about satisfaction, you have to remember that for something to be truly satisfying, it's got to be three things, if you ask me. It's got to be constant, it's got to be consistent, and it's got to be complete. Lacking those three things, it cannot be satisfying. <clears throat> You drink a drink, and you're thirsty. I work outside, if you can't tell by my farmer's hand. I got that, like, tan going across. This is below my eyes right here. I'm sure you guys can see it. And um, contrary to popular belief, summer is hot. So I'm out there, you know, 12 hours a day in the, in the sun, and sometimes I just want a cold drink. So I'll take that drink, and it's so satisfying. It's so amazing that, well, I need another, and then I need another, and then I need another. But then it's okay, but I just need another. Just one more. Always one more is what I need. So you have to remember, whatever it is that you're chasing, and I, I promise you this, you'll find nothing. You'll find nothing in this world that's going to be all three of those things all the time. Constant, consistent, and complete. <clears throat> so we get into how do we embrace the satisfaction. Because now we realize that, okay, if I'm going to be satisfied, i got to have these things, but I can't find them. I'm out here looking for it. I'm toiling for it. I thought it was pretty funny because I think the Lord really wants us to really tackle this because my main passage is the one that uh, Madeline spoke that she read from the stage. Anybody, she didn't, I don't think she read it. Did she? Did, what's the address of that verse? Does anybody know? Isaiah 55. She didn't read it. So you can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 55. Short little three verses right there. And it's funny because Zach shared uh, one of my supporting passages. <clears throat> Zach, you want to read the address of that verse? Matthew 
No? Matthew 5, 3, I think. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. 5, 3, I think. Somewhere in there in the beginning. The Beatitudes. I've heard it both ways. Matthew 5, 10, Job 4. It's one of those. Uh, so I think the Lord is really trying to speak tonight. The Holy Spirit wants us to kind of perk on our, our attention because here's the truth about it, right? You're human and you were created in a certain way. You also have a corrupt DNA about you. Ever since the fall, you have uh, drifted further and further away from where God wants you, right? And because of that corrupted DNA, you're also very selfish as a human. So you want what makes you feel comfortable and happy and we try to justify and we'll try to convince ourselves that the devil's all too willing to help us. Yes, yeah, you're right. You want to do that because that makes you feel good, you know? But our feelings are so deceptive. They're fleeting. They're amazing. Anybody who watches a football game will agree with me. How many times have you seen somebody go jumping from their chair excited, followed by hitting the ground angry in the span of about a second? There's the touchdown, game-winning touchdown, but I see the yellow flag, and it got called back. So I just went from elated to disappointed, like that. Feelings are so, they can't be controlled, truth be told. So you got to go deeper than that, <clears throat> okay? So how do we embrace the satisfaction? First thing you have to recognize is that you're not satisfied. In this room today, there's one of two groups of people. You're either Christian and believers in Christ, or you're not. Um, I promise you this, there's no in-between. You're either one or the other. Nothing exists in between there. You have to make a decision. All right, gang? So if you find that while working on it, you're not a Christian. You're simply curious. Something over there is pulling you towards it because you're curious. Okay, they're having a party over there. I guess see what's going on over there. Of course, you're over here to the party, and you're like, it's not really a party. They're just working really hard. They're just cool with working hard. They're just cool with, you know, who they are. Over here, they don't care. They're just shooting for whatever's for me, right? Um, so if you look there in Isaiah 55, let's go ahead and go through those first three verses. <clears throat> it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Seems kind of weird. I want to purchase something without money. Make a transaction with no giving of anything, right? Like, so that's kind of a, well, we'll get into that some other time, you know? Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. If I was to ask you, take Jesus and I want you to think of one-word descriptions of Jesus. There could be many. But think of one-word descriptions of Jesus. Just take a second right now. How would I describe it? Well, here, he's faithful. He's loving. He's giving. He's the same, right? He's constant. Jesus is no more or less himself than he was at creation before he divested himself, and he is no more or less himself when he was on earth, and now that he exists back in heaven again and in our hearts. He is the same Jesus. There's nothing that changes, and that's why he can love you no more, nor can he love you any less. He is a constant. That's very important when it comes to satisfaction, when we come to thinking about what's truly going to satisfy me in this life. Uh, everlasting. Listen to these words. Faithful. Everlasting. They speak of a time continuum, not just now, but back then and even here. So if I, was, if I was in a bad place two years ago, and I'm a Christian, and I'm thinking, man, I was in a bad place two years ago, and I really couldn't seem to get it right. I, just, I felt like I was distant from God. That's why you weren't satisfied, because you had drifted from the constant that's going to make you satisfied. You drifted away from him, and you couldn't find enough to fill that void. <clears throat> So our first problem is that we have to recognize our thirst and our true need. If you're sitting here, and some people that are atheists or some people that you know, have a gripe 
with God. And usually it comes down to the fact that he didn't meet a need. Right? See, I need God to give me that car. Um, I'm sorry. I need God to give me that car. He doesn't do that. He didn't meet the need. Meanwhile, you got to work every day. Meanwhile, you got to the grocery store. You made every trip you need to. I've been there. You know, been down to one car, <clears throat> having to get to two places at the same time. And the brothers and sisters of the Lord, you know, made a way. I remember Bruno used to bring me to, to, to church because we had one vehicle. We were meeting in two separate locations. And since I'm not the Lord, I can't be there at the same time. I can't be at both places at the same time. So Bruno used to pick me up. You see, so do I need a car? No. A bike? Well, perhaps. What I needed is to get where I was going. And to give him a moment I was going there. And as long as that is done, what do I need? So it's a convenience to have the other car. Zach and Kate were in a similar situation. And they were needing a, a sized up vehicle. Because they had another baby, just like we did, but they had another baby. So the car was no longer going to be able to fit the whole family. You know what I mean? But while it's convenient to have it, they didn't gripe and they didn't complain. They made it work. The family got where the family was going when the family needed to get there for like, what, two weeks? I forget how long it was. And then God blessed them with that, that minivan. Awesome minivan, by the way. But blessed them with it. You know what I mean? And so now it makes what? It makes it easier. Right, because now other people don't have to be inconvenienced and, and so on and so forth. But we have to re recognize that we're thirsty. But what is our true need? What do we really need to be thirsty for? <clears throat> there was a woman. A story told of a woman. Some of you guys will pick up on this. Um, she tried. She tried to find satisfaction in men. She had many. She happens down to the well one day. <clears throat> And she finds a Galilean rabbi. He's talking to her. She doesn't want to get into a religious discussion or anything like that. But here he's talking to her and he asks her, you know, go get your husband. She says, well, I have no husband. And she was right. But why would Jesus ask that question? Why would the Galilean rabbi ask that question? Why would he look to her and say, well, go get your husband? She's had many men in her life. The man she's with is not her husband. She's trying to do what she can to meet all her needs through all these other areas. And... I think that Jesus asked her so that it would reveal that she's thirsty. It would reveal that she does have a true need, that it's not going to be met by any man that she finds. You know what I mean? I think he did it just to get her to realize, you've tried how many times to marry a man and yet still are unsatisfied. <clears throat> Jesus does that with us today. He'll put you in situations and what's funny is, again, we can lose our, our focus. We can lose what we should be looking at. He will take something from us, and we're so worried about the thing he took from us that we, we miss the shape of the need. He took this from me, and I don't, I don't like him anymore. And I'm not going to follow him. I'm going to stop going to church because he, he didn't meet that need. But we don't even know what the need is. The reason why he took it from us is because it won't meet the need. That's the very reason why he took that thing. Still revealing that, look, this is a need, a void, something that needs to be filled and needs to be completed. <clears throat> so we keep trying and we keep laboring. I have never seen anybody work harder than, and I include myself in this, than a group of people that toil and toil and toil after the wrong things to try and satisfy Whatever thing they got going on. We work hard at it, don't we? We work two jobs trying to do it. I would love to have a house that I own. I don't own. We rent currently. But I'd love to have a house of my own. That's not going to satisfy me, though. This is not. I'm sure one day I'll have it, you know, because God is good. And he loves to get good things. I'm not going to, like, you know, ignore that. But it's not going to satisfy me. It's not like I'm going to get my house and go, awesome. Bags packed. Let's go to heaven. Because I got the house, I'm good, right? No, because we could say the we could say the converse too, right? How many people have ever said this? This is the worst day of my life. How many have said it twice? That's all you need, twice, because one of them is wrong, right? Either that's the worst or this is. How many have said it three or four times? 
pretty uh, unfortunate group of folks right there. I know a guy that can help you. All right? But we can say the opposite of it, too. We just get ourselves so caught up and we lose track of what we're trying to do. I'm going to get married and I'll be satisfied. Folks, I snore. One day I'll be like my dad. I love my dad. My dad is the only person I know that can snore while conscious. And when I tell you I snore, folks, I open and close doors. <clears throat> All right? I do. I'm not lying. So God bless my wife. I don't know how she does it. So now it's okay. I need, I need a husband or a, or a wife and some of the little earplugs that you can get, right? You know? I need a car, and then I'll be satisfied. Driving to work one day, and I go to work early. Driving to work one day, going down 46, and I tell you, there's no lights. There's no lights. If the moon is at the wrong angle, like there is, like it's darkness. It's just straight pitch black down 46. Popped. I don't know. It was like 4:45 in the morning, and to protect us, my wife has little protections on my phone. Fellas, if you don't have the perfect protection, you need to get it. You know what I mean? Just to keep you restricted from all those things that could trip guys up, right? Problem is, is that thing is, like, kind of intuitive, but then it's also ignorant. So I try to, like, access my Geico, and I need the password. It's a quarter to five in the morning. She's pregnant. Like, way pregnant. Trying to get rest. What do I do? You know what I mean? I had to call her. Otherwise, what am I going to do? I'm in between, somewhere between 46A and Mount Dora. You know what I mean? I, the, look, where are you, buddy? Where's the nearest cross street? Oak. There's an oak tree right there. <laughs> a family of them. You know? So cars break down. They're not really that satisfying. You're not sitting there going, it's okay, car. It's okay. I get it. Things happen. You're still my favorite. <laughs> no, in that moment, I really hate that car. The minivan's at the house, four full tires. I'd rather have that right now, you know? So then secondly, then, we need to come to terms with the fact that we cannot, in and of ourselves, we cannot gain the satisfaction. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to work hard enough or smart enough or with somebody. You're never going to find it. You need to come to terms with this. We're helpless in this endeavor. You want to be satisfied. You can't do it. It is impossible for you to do it. Because while I ask the question, anybody here satisfied, it's always kind of tricky because people look for the first hand to go up. Nobody ever wants to be the first hand. It's always like, whatever. And also the hands start flying up. You know what I mean? But you're not going to be able to do it. <clears throat> you're not going to be able to, to find your satisfaction. The reason why is because we're ignorant of the actual need. That's why I keep saying that. Because we go to all those wrong places. We go to all those... Uh, those things where we try to satisfy our needs, we don't have the resources <clears throat> to do it. That's why he says, you who have no money, you who have no way to purchase, come to me. Right? It's Isaiah writing it, but that's Jesus. Come to me. You have no money. You're thirsty. You're completely unsatisfied. You need to come to me. So our second problem is that we're pursuing a satisfaction of the physical. And that's the real main point there is everything that happens this side of heaven, well, it's just that. It's this side of heaven. You might live to be 80 years old, 90, 100. God love you. Any day, any, any day past you know, 80 for me is borrowed time. It belongs to some baby somewhere. Jesus, bring me home. I'm 80. You know what I mean? And there's Caleb. He's 80 years old. And he's like, the giants in the land of here? I'm like, Mom, I got it. Where's my spear? Let's go. You know? Uh, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm not cut from that cloth. But uh, maybe you live to be 80 years old, 85 years old, you know, but you're, you're chasing a physical satisfaction, which means you'll constantly be chasing it. You'll just constantly be going. So you can't rest because I'm not satisfied. Okay, now I am kind of, I'm not satisfied. All right. <clears throat> Let me see if I can help us illustrate this. I'm going to move this over here. Jimmy, will you go grab that for me? <clears throat> when it comes to... Uh, People drinking out of glasses that I have. There's two people I trust to wash things. One is Mary Smith, for reasons known. And the other one is Nathan Andrew, also for reasons known. All right. Let's see if we go get the, uh, the props. Not opened. 
So you guys can know that you're sanitary. You're not going to get sick or anything. I washed my hands 14 times. All right, give Jamie a second to kind of get I wanted to be cold, right? Because who wants to drink a warm soda? That's just not okay. Nobody wants to go to that church. Yeah. They give you a warm soda. But I want an illustration. Who here prefers Coke over Pepsi? I, I, yeah. They're the same, but. So we're the Coke hands again? There's like six of us, seven of us. I grew up in a Coke household. My dad worked at Coke. There wasn't no poster of Pepsi anywhere in my house growing up. So let's give the hands for Pepsi. Other people just like, scared to raise their hand, not really sure. I'll drink soda. No, no, well, Mountain Dew's a Pepsi product. Okay. That's why I'm torn, because I'm a Coke fan, but I love Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? So I feel like I cheat on Coke. I feel like I cheat on Coke. I'm a faithful to Coke, right? So. Oh, I need some repentance today, don't I? All right, so that that case, Pepsi wins the day. So now I need a volunteer. Where are my Pepsi fans again? All you got to do is drink a Pepsi. Yeah? Got me? Donald. I'll have Donald come do it. Come on, Donald. You can prove that it's a brand new Pepsi and it is, in fact, ice cold. There's no reason you shouldn't enjoy this, my friend. Going to pop it open. 1.45 in the afternoon and on July 7th, and you're at work, ain't no greater sound than that. Psh. Cheater. I didn't say drink it. <laughs> no. Pour it in the glass. So the illustration, D. Take the straw. That's fine. It's your Pepsi now. Take the straw. Take a drink out of that straw for I did. That's what I said. And there are 40 witnesses, huh? You drink it. This is it, folks, right here. There you are. You're with your friend. This is really good, right? It's like fizzy. All the carbonation is there. It's cold. It's awesome. Come on, get excited. That's your life in Jesus right there, folks. <clears throat> right? So that's your life in Jesus. Take that straw. Don't put it in there, please. Put it up against the straw on the outside. Up against the straw on the outside. You have to drink out of both at the same time. There you go. So now you got your life. Now you got... Life in Jesus, same time. How's that working out for you, Donald? It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> I can see the soda. It's right there. There he goes. You hear it? You hear it? <laughs> for illustration purposes, thank you so much, D. Take your Pepsi you've earned, my friend. <laughs> Donald says to me, I know hydraulics. This is not going to work out for me right now. So our life inside of Christ, when that's where we're focusing, Christ is everything for us, right? Now, the, it breaks down because eventually the soda goes away. But the, the, what we're talking about here is the fact that nothing inhibits it when you drink it from the straw here. You start to search outside of Christ and add that to the mix. It inhibits your ability to get that satisfying whatever in you. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 6. He kind of says along the same lines as uh, Isaiah does, where he's just like, come to me. It's where he says, I'm the bread of life. Eat from me and you'll hunger no more. Drink from me and you'll thirst no more. This is what he's trying to say. Get away from the world. Get away from it. The world has nothing to offer you except you need more. And it distracts you from being with Jesus and being in Christ. See, Jesus is not just some character from a Bible. He's not just... Um, a good teacher that we look back on. See, he is living. He is alive today, same as he was 2,000 years ago, and at creation. There's never a time when he is only theoretical. He exists, and he is real, and he lives in each of us today that believe in him, that choose to believe in him. But whenever we start chasing the world, we, in effect, say, Jesus, you can't do this, and I want it, so I'm going to drift from you. For those of you that are Christians, I'm going to ask you that question right now. Is there anything in this world that is that important that you'd risk walking away from Christ? Because every time I choose to walk away from Jesus, because it breaks down like this. Either one, he doesn't want to give it to you for whatever reason he has, or he can't. Those are the only two things that can exist. Well, He's Jesus, right? So he is from the Trinity, he's from the Godhead, and therefore he can do all things, 
right? There's nothing's impossible with God. So I got to reconcile that. That's that's in Matthew. That's in the scripture. So that can't be true. He can do it. So now he doesn't want to. So my atheist friends out there, this is where you have your problem. Because when God says no, you get hurt. My Christian friends, when God says no, you get hurt. It's not okay because I want it. I want it, and it's right there, and you can give it to me, but you won't. But because he knows it's not going to satisfy your need. If anything, it's only going to feed it more. And you'll need more and more and more. And off you go away from Jesus. And he's going, but right here is all you ever need. You know what I'm saying? In my life, Jesus, and I say this not accusing Jesus. Let me make that clear. I'm not accusing him in any way, shape, or form. So I'll be careful how I word this. In my life so far, I'm 35 years old, some important things that Jesus has allowed to be taken from me, okay? Uh, Most of the vision in my left eye, though I still have the eye, and a couple of children. How many hearts just sank? Oh, I think it's kids. My wife and I have, we've had some unfortunate, you know, circumstances. Others here can share in that heartache. You know, but if you ask me if I'm going to allow something like that to rob me of what Jesus offers me, not a chance. Because when I say, I, Mike Jeffords, say I believe in Jesus, I want that to be true. And for it to be true, and for it to be everything it needs to be, it needs to be complete, constant, and consistent. That's the only way that that the scriptures that Christ Himself is going to be able to satisfy me is on the faith end of it. When my faith is inconsistent, my satisfaction is thereby inconsistent. Got nothing to do with the source. Got everything to do with what happens in me. That's why the Pepsi is not going to satisfy you. It has nothing to do with the Pepsi has everything to do with your thirst. So I don't love that Pepsi. Give it two hours and he's got some some chicken enchiladas with uh, with some uh, jalapenos on there. And what's he going to be? He's going to be thirsty. He might not reach that Pepsi. He might go over that sweet tea, you know, but he'll always need more. It has everything to do with your thirst. See, that's the need. What makes you so thirsty that you can't quench it? What makes you need more and more? What makes you so hungry that you need more and more and more? We have to come to terms with the fact that we're helpless to do it, and it's proven in our efforts. It's proven in everything that we go and we grab for. Donald mentioned this. He says, I can tell you what's important to you with one look at your bank statement. How many times does whatever pop up? How many times are you going to the movies? How many times are you popping away at McDonald's? I go quite often myself, but usually it's for that Pepsi. I get out of work, and it's like, I don't know, 5 o'clock, and it's still hot. We live in a state that's terrible. It's 80 degrees, Rioville 92 at, like, 1230 in the morning. I can't check the mail without breaking a sweat. I digress. We're, those of us who live in Florida know what I'm talking about. You know, it's pretty awful out there. <clears throat> Um, but we have to embrace that we're, we're helpless to do it because we don't make good choices. Lastly, we have to recognize, again, we talked about laboring and striving, striving for what's unsatisfactory. Solomon was an interesting guy. And he, and he highlights something, I think, in my eyes that's just super important. What did Solomon lack? Trick question. Read the scriptures, but what did you say? If you read through Ecclesiastes, or actually if you read through um, uh, I can't remember the book of the Bible now, it talks about him. Kings. <clears throat> if you if you look in the scriptures, what does it say about Solomon? He had what? He had well he asked for that. He lacked at the beginning, so he asked for wisdom. Ask me for anything, I'll give it to you. 
But what does God say after he goes, well, I want, I want to know how to lead these people. Give me discernment on how to lead these people. I don't know how to do it. I'm young. He, he recognized that. So he wanted wisdom. And God said, hey, you asked for the right thing. And because of that, I'm going to give you what else? There they are, riches. There's your wealth, fame, stature. He had things. You know, he had everything he needed. He also had a wife. You know, he was given a wife, but that didn't work. So he just kept on going. How many did he wind up with? 700. 700 wives. 700 wives. We're not going to get into the other part of that. I see some little ones in the room. But this man, in our eyes, from a human perspective, lacked nothing. If he wanted something, he had it. If he needed to know how to handle a situation, he had the wisdom, he took care of it. He had to buy something, he had the money. He owned everything, as it were, anyway. But he highlights a point, I think, that's really important for us because he had everything that you could ever want. What is it in your case that you're searching for? Because we're not Solomon. We don't have all those things to our disposal. So what are you lacking? Security, intimacy, wealth, recognition, significance. I'm talking to teens. I'm talking to adults. What is it that you need to be? Do you not feel secure? Do you not feel safe? Do you need intimacy to be that close to someone and to know that they've, they're always going to be for you <laughs> and that they're contractually obligated? <laughs> <laughs> you said the vows. In sickness and in health, till death do us part. I was there, I know. <laughs> so they're contractually obligated. Is that a covenant that? You know? A covenant when you cut an animal all apart and walk through the thing together. You brought one, I brought one, and we walked through the thing together. We'll cut up our animals. That was their resources back then. That was probably a lot of money. <laughs> just take it and just walk right through it. That wasn't like, you know, that's like taking your paycheck and just <laughs> ribbing it up and walking through there. So you're contractually obligated in this covenant, right? <clears throat> but what is it that you're searching for? What is it you're chasing? If I had blank, I would be satisfied. Because I'm going to challenge your thought process today. And so will Solomon. Because he had it all. And he kept searching. He kept searching. Got himself into some problems. And what did he say in Ecclesiastes? I've done it all. I've seen it all. There's nothing new under the sun. And it is all meaningless. Empty. Here's a guy that if we look and we read through those scriptures and we actually think about it, he actually proved cannot be done. Cannot find satisfaction and you cannot find meaning in a world that's falling apart, that has been ruined and, and just completely tainted by sin. We messed it up. It was perfect in the beginning and we messed it up. And so now we're in this degrading world that's falling apart around us. And we want to know why there's all these things that happen in the world. And we lose sight of the fact that it's our own sin. Because we were selfish. That the devil got us to thinking that that fruit, whether it be an apple or a mango or whatever it is, you know, we thought it would satisfy. We thought it would give us what we needed. And what did it give you, church? Problems. What did it give the ladies? Pain and childbirth. Well, look at me. I wasn't the first one to eat it. But I ate it. So I caused the problem. Right? I ate that fruit. Guys, what did it cause? That's why I can't get mad at anybody else but my own self. It's hot, man. And there are thistles in the grass. I'm telling you, it's for real. You know, for where I work, I work outside and I'm in all these conditions. And I'm going, all this for a, a piece of fruit. And there was fruit everywhere. There were trees everywhere. That foolish snake that got me to thinking that it was that one that I needed. That it was what was missing. Nothing was missing in the beginning. Nothing was missing. It got up in my head. It got in your head. And that's why, that's why you're in the spot that you're in. It's because you're just like everybody else. You know, you think you know what you need. So what do we need? Isaiah 55, verse 3. <clears throat> I just can't believe it. I get myself so caught up 
and all those things. We don't even need them. This is what this is what Isaiah writes down that Jesus is saying: "Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you." Here's the trick: He's going to make good on His end because He's already done it. See, Jesus has already gone to the cross. That was a plan that was decided so long ago. Because God knew. He knew that we were not going to be able to do our end of the bargain. And so he sent us another plan A, and Christ did it. He died on the cross to secure your salvation, to secure your right standing with God the Father. All the sin and all the everything that makes you unworthy, that makes you um, unable to, to, to take on the satisfaction of knowing that I will one day be in heaven and be able to worship, you know, my God forever and ever and ever. Everything that's held you back from that, Jesus bore it on the cross. He took it up. He had no yoke. That's why it was easy and light. The only burden was us, which is a pretty heavy burden because we're ignorant and we're foolish, you know. But he lived a life that was perfect. He did not ever straight from what he was supposed to. He never disobeyed once. He never had a problem in his life. But he got up to the cross, and he got up there, and that's when, at that moment, when his father took every sin, future, past, and present, and looked at his son and went, boom. The weight of that sin ripped Jesus from his father and drove a wedge right between them. See, that, my friends, is hell. Not where you are now. because God couldn't look at Jesus because of that sin. And he did it so that you could find satisfaction. So how are you satisfied? You have to listen. You have to eat. You have to delight. You have to incline your ear. He says it again after that. He says, listen, twice. Okay? I'm not talking about hearing. I'm talking about listening. And that's where inclining your ear comes into play. I know how you can be satisfied. Can I say it again? This is inclining your ear. You said something that's interesting to me, and I want to know what it is. You know what I mean? So here's Jesus, and he's saying, listen. Okay, I hear you. Listen. Eat. Okay. Eat food. I got it. Psalm 16 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Another word to describe Jesus. Full. Fullness. Complete. Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's that continuum again. See, I want to talk to you about where you are today, but today impacts forever. At least it can. And then there's that incline your ear. Listening is actually an active neurological process. When you hear something, that's nothing more than whatever sound waves are reverberating off of your eardrum. Thus you hear. Listening, however, requires processing. You know how to take in that information. Your brain has to get involved and process those waves, and your brain tells you what you're hearing. That travels all the way around the room, reverberates off your eardrum. You have no idea what it is until your brain says, Mike just knocked on the pulpit. Your eyes confirm it. Boom. You're listening. Right? Anybody here who raised their hand and say they've heard children crying? Me, I have to listen. I've got two of them in there. i got a newborn over here. So I'm, as a dad, I'm sort of inclined to listen for those things. Is that on Micah's screen? How many parents have done that? You hear a scream. Is that Rusty? No. That's Noah. Okay, we're good. <laughs> and that parent disengages because that's somebody else's problem, right? <laughs> that's somebody else's problem. You hear the scream. Okay, that was my kid. To the door. Give him 15 seconds. You gotta break free, make it down the hall, and we're gonna confirm if it's a problem. 15 seconds. Okay, we're good. All right, somebody fell down there, so we're gonna get squared. We're good. There's no <laughs> death or bleeding. We're all like that. That's listening. Because I'm hearing, as, I, as I'm up here preaching, I'm hearing the chatter that's happening over here. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay. <laughs> and there's still parts of me that in the middle of a conversation will do that. And the most important thing is so, number four. You know, and I skip on so, but that's why we, we look at Isaiah 55 
And here this prophet is, is telling us as Jesus is, is, you know, inspiring him that you need to do these things. You can listen to what Jesus is telling you. You cannot meet the need. That's why you're unsatisfied. You do need to eat, but you need to eat of a bread that's going to last forever more, that's truly going to satisfy you. And you need to drink so that you're no longer thirsty. I'm not talking about physical food and drink. I'm talking about the more important need, which is your spiritual condition right now. You need Jesus, and you need to be saved. And he is a person in which you can, you can engage with. I can engage with Jesus. He's here right now. He's at this pulpit, and he's sitting with you in the pew chair. He's sitting with you right now in the congregation. He is real, not just some folklore. So when I go through a tough time, when I'm feeling unsatisfied, it's just that. I'm feeling unsatisfied. That's me being selfish because I'm satisfied in Christ. He has his pay grade and I have mine. And I got the easier part of the deal because he does the heavy lifting. See, I get to believe in him. And your belief will always dictate your actions. Always, always, always. Whatever it is you believe is going to come out through your speech, and through your actions. You know what I mean? Look at that guy who's watching his football team. Does he believe they can win? Look at his posture. If he's in anticipation and he's at the TV screen, here's a man that still has hope. If he's gone off to bed, or he's in the kitchen, or he's disengaged completely, he has no hope. His team is not going to win in his eyes. This is why that guy hates life in the next morning. Did you see that? Hail Mary, 99 yards. Touchdown. Goes to overtime. We win. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. No, 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 I'm hating life for it, you know? But I, I say that because I want to try to highlight a point. Whatever it is that you believe, you, it will be shown in your actions. Jesus said like this, you know, a tree by its fruit. If you believe in Jesus and you truly believe in him, how you walk through things is going to give indication to that. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I was happy and excited and satisfied when Sarah had her miscarriages <clears throat> or when I found out that I was one sneeze away from perforating my eye and I'd have to go in there and take it and I'd be a pirate the rest of my life. I'm not going to say I was excited. Yeah, right. Jesus is real, see? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, there were tough times. And I was robbed of my satisfaction for a lot of those times. But that's why this is important to me, because I don't want to stress over things I can't control. There's just too much in this life that's outside of your control, but they pass through his hands, and he is going to bring them to your good. See, all of those verses that we read, all those life verses and those favorite memory verses, and all of that that we remember and we speak, they're all connected in this, this huge web, at the center of which is Jesus making it all happen. So you're chasing fame or recognition or you want to be wealthy. All of what you need is already satisfied in Christ, which means that when you have wealth, you're not given wealth for satisfaction. You're given wealth for some other reason. It's to glorify God. Fame, you're not given fame for, for satisfaction because you already need to be satisfied. You're given fame for some other reason. Breaks my heart sometimes. I watch some of these guys like Dwight Howard who have these huge positions and they're, they're, they're famous and kids look to them and they love him and he's a great player and he's all of these things. But then you, you find out about his personal life. You find out the choices he's making, the things that he's doing. Like, but I don't want him being a role model for my kid. I want him to be a basketball role model for my kid because he's a fine player. But all that character garbage that comes along with him, no. I would much rather my child play a different sport or not at all. Because if that's who he's going to look to, it's going to ruin my child. It's going to ruin the, the sport that I love. Because he has a terrible, you know what I'm saying? You, know, you look at other guys like Tim Tebow who try his best to continue on. He left a sport that he loved to go to another sport that he loved. You know, couldn't quite you know take for the team 
But you look at this guy's character, and he's doing just fine, you know. But he had to sacrifice, you know. He had to sacrifice something he loved dearly. But he's not drifting away from who he loves and what he loves, which is Jesus, long before football or baseball. Incline your ear this morning and this week because Jesus is calling. I thought it was a great set that the band played today. Incline your ear because he is calling. Brooklyn, I'm calling you. Jack, I'm calling you. Hope, I'm calling you. I want you to come be with me. And Jesus likes to whisper. And when you whisper, especially when you're trying to listen, uh, it makes you listen more. So I can shout it all I want. But for Jesus, come. That's all you got. Come. Because he knows it's come. Danny. I'm calling you, come. What's that, Jesus? You want you want me? You know, what am I gonna do for you? You know? Nothing. And come be with me. Because the important thing is is that you have been with Jesus and he has impacted you and you believe in him. That's why when it comes to listening and whispering, I can say to my kids, okay. Time to go to bed. My kids don't do well with this. I could go. Guys want a cookie? (laughs) (laughs) I heard cookies. Where did you come from? Down the corner, the neighbor's house. I was at the house on the other side, inside their bathroom, (laughs) washing my hands. They were playing music. And they heard cookies. And they were on me. That's the big difference in there when it comes to, to listening. Sarah and I have a funny way of communicating. We have to be careful because if we say it and they understand it, they're going to want it. And now we've got to, okay, no, you can't have it or whatever. We're assessing. How have they been today? Well, they've been pretty good. They've been really good. Okay, let's do something nice for them. Do you want to go on a W? It's our own language. A W is code for a walk. We used to say, do you want to go on a W-A-L-K? But then the kids learned the code. <laughs> W-A-L-K, and we went on a walk. After about three times, I, we would say, do you want to go on W-A-L-K? Am I gonna go? Are we going on a walk? <laughs> I'll get my shoes. <laughs> so now we have to be really, really careful. And so we speak in kind of like that code, because our kids have learned. They have so learned. Here's the important thing that you need to realize. Ephesians 1, <clears throat> and I want to turn there, and I want to make sure I hit it on the head. This is what Paul says. And this is where the challenge is going to come in for you guys. It says, as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You have everything that you need to be satisfied spiritually. When the devil speaks to you, you just need to tell him to close his mouth and leave. He has nothing that he's going to be able to offer you that you don't already have. Because if he does, you don't need it. That's the trick. You have everything. Every. How does he put it? Uh, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You lack no spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The devil offers you something that you don't have and you confirm you don't have it. You need to follow that statement with, I don't need it. Because it's probably going to replace one of those spiritual blessings. And thus, I'm going to find myself unsatisfied, and you're going to be in this vicious circle constantly. Okay? <clears throat> Later on in that, in that chapter, he says this. I pray, this is Paul, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, <clears throat> what are the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. This power, this might that, that God the Father towards you, he's, he's giving you the power and the might in Christ. And it's that same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power that said, even all the sin in the world will not be enough for me to stop loving you, for me to offer you a place in heaven at my right hand, not all the sin in the world. Because Jesus, being part of that, that divine nature, that Godhead, that same essence, was strong enough and powerful enough to break that. When you read, every chain shall be broken, I don't care how little or how few in your life the sin is, He's going to break it. How big it is. Well, I'm this and I'm that and there's no way. He took every sin ever that would be committed, has been committed, is being committed, and paid for every one of them. Do you know that when you satisfy a debt, that's a phrase that we use in our day, when you satisfy a debt, it is thus satisfied. You stop paying. So if we're satisfied... You have every spiritual blessing that you need. Why do you keep trying? Why do I keep trying? I have what I need. I go through hard times. I go through challenging times. And I get hurt in this world. That's going to happen. But it has nothing to do with my satisfaction. It has nothing to do with where I am in Christ. It has everything, everything to do with the scheme of the enemy trying to pull me from God's hands. And even then, it's an act of my own will. I have to believe someone. Do you realize that when you're pulled from God's hands, you believe the devil over the Lord? You ever thought about that? When Adam, when Adam and Eve ate the apple, they believed the serpent. Did not believe the God the Father. They did not believe him. Eat from any tree except the one in the middle. If they believed completely, what the serpent would have said would have had zero bearing. What you say is fluff. It's meaningless. I have fruit to eat. God said no, and so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch it. But when we choose, you gotta remember that you're choosing to be with the devil. You're choosing to be with Satan. When you allow whatever that is to allure you away. I've been so close. I have done it so many times. And I get lost. And I feel like I did that, that, that morning on 46 when there was no light and it was dark. I've never had better hearing in my life than being on the side of that dark road. No cars or nothing. I heard everything. What's that? That sounded like a cricket. It could have been a jaguar. You know, I want to wait in the car, but the car doesn't have AC. And remember, it's 80 degrees. feels like 94 at 12.30 in the morning. So do I risk it? Is it the cricket and not the Jaguar? Or do I go close myself up in the car? You know, but I've seen the great outdoors, and I know what bears do even when you're in the car. I've seen that movie. You guys ever seen that movie? When the bear wants the chocolate bar, climbs up on the vehicle, all kinds of problems, you know? But why would we choose that, man? Why would we choose to go to the devil? He's the devil. <laughs> He's the father of lies, and we know it. If you don't know it, you need to be up here. Like right now, let me pray for you. Because those of us that know it, man, that's just even heavier for us. Because I know who he is. So the only thing that he can do is appeal to my lack of understanding of who Jesus is. <clears throat> and here's how I know. How many people have ever said, yeah, I just need more Jesus? You know what you need? You need more Jesus. That's what you need. But then I got to thinking, I was like, what? Because my Bible tells me when you get Jesus, you get all of Jesus. There's no like, there's not like a silver, gold, platinum membership of Jesus based on how good you are in life. 
You're not going to do some good works and, you know, get a couple people saved, and all of a sudden God's going to speak to you and go, hey, you just upgraded to the gold membership of Jesus. So now you have access to casting out demons and all this other kind of stuff. It doesn't work that way. You either have them or you don't. So what we really need is a deeper understanding. We need more, un- uh, more intimacy with Christ. We need to know more about this Jesus. Uh, we scratch the surface of what this guy has done, what he can do, and who he is. Got a book full of them, you know, and we've got brothers and sisters across the world who have experienced him in so many different ways. I'm with Mike, man. I look forward to being in heaven and hearing all the stories. Really, man, it happened to you? How cool is that? You know? But I'm going to try as hard as I can to get as much intimate with Jesus as I can to know more and more about him because that's the thing that's really going to satisfy me and you. That's what's going to really do is because I know Jesus so deeply and so intimately that nothing that ever happened on this side of heaven is ever going to change it. Wouldn't even cause me to bat an eye. Yeah, I'll hurt. And yeah, it won't be cool. It doesn't change who Jesus is. It certainly doesn't change who I am in him. You know? But we'll do that. I need more Jesus. What do you mean you need more Jesus? How much of him do you have? You know what I mean? Because my Bible tells me that once you believe, you get it all. Resurrection power. Yep. You know, you can pray for somebody to be healed, and they'll be healed. Not because of you, but because of him working through you. And that's the thing. All of a sudden, the power becomes ours, and that's what happened to the seven sons of Sceva. That worked out real good. You know? That's what happened to them. They thought it was their power. Don't get caught up in that. Just realizing that you know who Jesus is, and I love you so much that I want to pray for you to be healed. And I want you to know how powerful Jesus is. So when I pray for your healing, it's Jesus' name. It's Jesus that's healing you. When you're healed, Jesus healed you. All I did was pray and believe. Because it takes this much, this much belief. Just as much as it takes this much deception to pull you away. Because that's what the devil is doing, but he doesn't do it in in these overt ways. He doesn't say, I got something better. That's not going to jive in your brain. You want better than Jesus? No, no. But he will go on that, that physical side and he'll make you say, but this one's better. Isn't it? Isn't this car better? Yeah, that one's within the price range, but this one is better. What makes it better? Looks better. It's younger. You know? What makes it better? What makes one house better than another? You know? we got to start really processing this stuff because the devil is crafty when he speaks to us and he gets us caught up. But you have to remember you have every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. So what do you need to do? You know you need to listen. You need to incline your ear. You need to eat. You need to partake with Jesus and get to know him more and more and more because whatever you got going on he's allowed it for his reasons but it will ultimately wind up for your benefit you know like I said it before the babies that we lost I'll, I'll see them in heaven what a privilege that they were raised by Jesus I'm not a perfect dad I'm not even I'm nowhere near the perfect dad if we were on a line of dads going from perfect to not perfect, I'm somewhere towards the end. Like, I'm outside the American Idol audition hoping to get into the building, kind of like at the end. I'm almost there. Left at the 7-Eleven, and then the line starts. I'm right right there, you know? So if I wanted my kid to be raised by somebody, I would want him to be raised by Jesus. And what are the stories that he's going to tell me or she's going to tell me when I get there? You know what I mean? Like, that's a privilege I have, you know, that not many people have. That's a privilege I have. Sarah has that. So what do you need to do? All those desires that you have, every one of them, I need to be famous. I need people to recognize me as important. You are important. I know a guy that died for you because you were important. He did not want one, not a single one to get away and he said it in john 6 and he said my desire is that i lose my father's desire thus his desire is that i lose not a one that he gave to me and if one of you goes away he's coming after you because you're his 
you know, bring all those desires for wealth and for fame and for all of that and bring it right to the altar. Put it down because you don't need it. You are. You are everything that you want in Christ, but only in him. You are wealthy in Christ. Zach said it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the whole kingdom. So bring it all up here. But you got to remember, it's only in Christ. And he may not give it to you in the ways that you want it. He's given you giftings for a reason. And he's given this guy giftings for a reason. And this gal giftings for a reason. They're his reasons. I get caught up in all of that. In the immortal words of Bill Belichick, just do your job. You be who Christ wants you to be. And forget about everybody else. Don't be trying to be like everybody else. I'm not Zach or Mike Curtis or Diego or Donald or Danny. I'm not. I'm me. And when I come to grips with that and really start to dig in with that, see, then... Christ begins to manifest through me and things begin to happen for his kingdom, which is what it's all about. So I'll tell you right now, I'm going to pray for all of us. And if you need, if you need to come here and get it right, then come here and get it right. This is always open, by the way. You don't have to wait till 12 o'clock at the end of a sermon. You come here and do business with the Lord. This is his altar. I don't control this. All right, nor does the worship team. You come here and do whatever business you got to do. But I tell you to come and do it and get serious and lay down all those desires and things that you want because you have it all. You just don't have it in the way that you want it. That's because you're selfish, just like I am. We always want things and want them a certain way. And lastly, and most importantly, keep going deeper in intimacy with Jesus. If you accomplish nothing else in the day, go deeper with Jesus. Have that quiet time. Have that field time, as I call it. Go, get deeper, learn more about Jesus, and you'll realize you don't need more of him. You just need deeper him. You need to go deeper in him and get access to all those things that he offers. Because he's king, and he is sovereign. And he's already met all the needs. Gave his life to do it. But he met the need. Your need is met today. Come talk to me further if you need. Because I want to encourage you for sure. But everything on this side of the world is empty. It's meaningless. But I'll give you this. It's going to be fun. But it's not enough. Go deeper with Jesus. Father, I pray. And I ask right now for every person right here. I ask that you begin sorting through all of the deception, all those words the devil has flooded them, all those plans that he has unleashed, the attacks that I've seen these past few weeks. I ask, God, that you go in with your power and your might and you cast from every person here any doubt in their mind that you are who you say you are, that you are the need meter, that, Father, you are the giver of everything that we need, every spiritual blessing. It's already ours. Teach us how to say no to an enemy who's so crafty. Keep our eyes fixed on you. We feel need. God, we got to go deeper with you. So deep that we don't even feel the need. When somebody comes to us and says, but don't you need? No, I have in Christ. And Father, I pray that anybody here who needs to answer your call, come. Come eat. Come drink. It's not money. Let me give you that which lasts forevermore. Let me be faithful in your life. Let me be everything that you need. Let it be more than just words that we speak. Let it be what we feel. Let it be what's in our heart, God. Let it be what drives us. Let it be that that stands in the face of an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, who comes to take which is ours. 
and let it be that that stands in their face and says, no, you offer something that, that I don't need because I don't have a need. And we cast out the devil from our lives just by speaking the name of Jesus. We follow Christ because he really is everything. And he really cares for us. And it was Christ Jesus who died on the cross to ensure our salvation, to secure our place in heaven at the right hand of the Father. It was Christ that did that. And I ask, Lord, that tonight anybody who's feeling empty, anyone who's feeling like they're lacking, God, show them in your most excellent ways how you've already met that need, how you are there for them, and you'll never fail them you are constant you are complete and you're consistent you don't change ever so nothing we come against nothing that comes against us is ever going to be enough or too much for you Jesus and so we bring those desires up here to this altar we lay them down we say they're here Jesus, because you're the perfect shape to fill that, that hole, that void. Jesus, we love you. We just want to know how to do that more deeply. We want to know you more intimately. Spirit of God, flood this place. Come heavy right now and remind people who Jesus is. In Jesus' name.